1: Listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast, I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, here with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. Marie! Chris, what's going on? What's the Um, story? What's the haps? Nothing much. You know what? It's a great day. It's like 30 degrees here in Minneapolis, which is 30 degrees Mm. warmer than it was yesterday. It's springtime! Super exciting. (laughs) Woo! Um, Anyway, so today, listeners, we have a really interesting episode. We're going to do a discussion with uh, Nikita Kranda, who is an experienced researcher. Now, for those that don't know kind of what the term experiencer means, um, you know, we talked with Jeb Card when we were doing Spooky Archaeology, which we'll be getting back to shortly. But when we were talking to him, he mentioned this idea of the unified field theory of the paranormal or this idea that um, people are now kind of moving away from the nuts and bolts view of paranormal fields and moving more towards a more uh, metaphysical kind of viewpoint where Uh, like Descartes' demon or like these other kinds of, you know, sensory altering events or sensory altering views or theories that perhaps all of these strange things people are seeing or experiencing come from one underlying phenomena or cause. Experiencers are sort of, those are the people that have those experiences, the people that have those events. They're not necessarily abductees. They're not necessarily uh, people who have seen a creature or something. They're people who have had some experience with the kind of unknown world. Now, for the biologist listening, you might be thinking, well, doesn't this disabling or this kind of not really disabling, but doesn't this breaking up of the categories make things less easy to understand? Right. So this idea in biology of, you know, if you were just studying cats and dogs as if they were both mammals you would learn less than if you studied them on their own terms. There's something to be said for that as well. However, um, when you're trying to do what NK does, what what Nikita here does, um, which is kind of to collect these stories, understand them, and put them in their proper context, it's really important to kind of look at these things in a cohesive way. So, with that... Nikita, do you want to give us a little bit of your background?
2: How's it going there, Chris?
1: It's going great. Super excited to have you on.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is N.K. Granda, uh, also Nikita, and I am an experiencer, researcher, and preservationist. And what I do is uh, experiencers tend to find me, or I find experiencers that have either listened to podcasts or decided to email me, and what I do is I... Kind of walk them through an interview, and they uh, they tell me about their experiences and their life stories. And what I do is I preserve that. I do audio recordings. Um, I also do uh, email recordings and things like that, where either they want to write their own experience, or I can kind of help them write their own experience. Uh, basically, because I w- I was just really inspired by some things that happened in my own life and with my my close friends, because I have been doing this for over a decade. Where this. Uh, incredible story would happen to someone and they couldn't talk about it because they would be told that they were crazy or they could lose their job or they could lose their kids. And in this uh, solitude, it was just really immensely depressing for them. And they, they had just these wonderful things that they wanted to talk about. And when you never can, that testimony dies off when the person leaves this earth. So, that's that's basically my main mission is that I want to get these people out there. I want to teach them to honor themselves because they survived. I want to teach them to believe in their own voice and that it does mean something and that it's okay to talk about these things because experiencers are not as alone or as rare as they tend to think that they are.
1: Super interesting. So, I mean, how, I guess, to start with, right? You So you got involved in this because of some some things that happened in your life and you said friends and things like that, but kind of, I guess, what was the mechanistic, like your mechanism for getting started, right? Or what is your process? I should say, maybe to collect these stories. Like, do you take, I get yeah, to start with, I guess, what is your, what is your mechanism for doing this? Like, what is it, what do you mean by collecting these stories?
2: What I mean by collecting these stories is basically how I begin this process is that uh, let's say that someone will connect to me maybe over email, or maybe we'll just even meet in a grocery store, which happens to me all the time. And a person will say, uh, you know, this, this strange thing happened to me. And, you know, maybe I'm not sure exactly what it is or why it happened, but it still happened. And I don't have anyone to talk to about it. So either um, I'll do one of two things. I'll just have basically um, an honest heart to heart with them. and I'll try to, Bring that person back to some kind of equilibrium. They feel a lot better. I offer them a preservation. They say no. They, they kind of go about their lives and I never see them again. The other way that this goes through is that I can recommend a preservation for them. Like, you know, I, I think that that was a really uh, amazing or meaningful experience. Would you like to come with me and have an interview so that I can preserve that? And if they agree uh, either we'll we'll email back and forth for a while sometimes we'll do phone calls uh, sometimes we can do like a Facebook video call or a zoom call and I can actually record their own voice telling me that testimony and that's my favorite to to hear an experience or talk about their own experiences with their own voice and uh I put all of this into kind of their own file and then I, I keep it with my other preservations. So I do everything from people that have been abducted by uh, people that have been contacted, you know, things that are paranormal like ghosts. I have also done a lot of cryptid stories. I've done a bunch of near death experiences. Um, I also have training in, which is a very white person word, but I have training in shamanism and spiritualism and things like that. So I I have a long multifaceted background when it comes to talking to these people and basically just being non-judgmental and, you know, listening, which is a really important thing when you're an interviewer, you don't want to be doing most of the talking. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that the most important aspect of what I do is that I have a very long background with trauma and trauma research I also have done a lot of uh, work with psychologists and psychology and I think the most important fact of that is you know I'm an experiencer too so when I talk to these people it's not because I'm writing a paper or a book or I'm trying to get my master's it's hey I'm an experiencer too let's talk like we're peers let's talk like we're friends you know just just tell me what happened and we'll go ahead and move on from there and it's it's really wonderful chris like i i'm honored to get to talk to the people that i get to talk to
1: super cool so in terms of your kind of professional view of on this i guess and you know it's what's funny about topics like this is it's unless you are like a trained psychologist or a, or a therapist or something like that you know um, and even then how do you deal with these cases or with these people and the trauma they're facing, how do you deal with them effectively or, or, um, ethically, I guess I'd say. So.
2: I, I definitely agree with you there. There's uh, ethics of it. There's the safety of it, you know, and, uh, especially do I need to refer this person on to someone that's actually licensed and can bring them into better care. So those are all things that I have to take into account before I can start a preservation.
1: Right. So one thing, I guess, one thing I know that Marie and I have, talked about a lot on the show is hypnosis, right? So what is your view on hypnosis for these cases?
2: Um, As an experienced researcher and preservationist, I am one of the very few people out there that is strongly against hypnosis. And there's a reason for that is because uh, when working in a trauma field, we have something called evidence-based therapies. So when somebody uh, uh, comes into contact with something that is traumatizing, There's three different evidence-based therapies for dealing with that trauma, you know, working through it and processing what happened to you. One of my favorite ones is called prolonged exposure therapy, where instead of, you know, somebody trying to hypnotize you and ripping a memory out of the dark sources of your brain that, you know, your brain suppressed because its only job is to keep you alive and keep you safe, you know, um... I would much rather have a person make a recording, uh, you know, say your entire story, you know, use your phone or something, go ahead and say this, say your entire story with as much detail as you possibly can, you know, if you were a little kid, how old were you, what color was your room, what color were your pajamas, just get as visceral as you can with all of the senses that you can. And once you're finished with this recording, listen to it. Listen to it every night before bed, listen to it in the mornings, just keep your brain on that loop and they will remember more and more and more and more without having to go to um, what Rick and Morty would call an agent of averageness in a strip mall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's really sad. Um, it's, if I had a brain tumor, I would not go to a family doctor and say, hey, can you please help me with my brain tumor? It's just most of the people out there that do hypnosis, uh, they do not have trauma training they have no idea what to do with those memories once they uncover them they have no idea how to refer them to people that can help them work through this damage um and it's just incredibly sad at the damage it can cause some people love hypnosis and that they'll sing its praises all day long but i believe that the beneficial effects are short term they do wear off it's uh it's completely and utterly suggestive you may not even remember what you're supposed to remember you know remember uh The Satanic Panic. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, a lot of that was from people going under and having uh, someone that was just completely not knowing what they were doing, uh, basically feeding them these details of what happened to them. And then they would come out of it and say, oh, my God, all of these memories and just this completely insane story about something that wasn't necessarily true. So I, I would definitely recommend staying away from hypnosis. There's so many other things you can try that have already been medically and evidence-based proven. And um, I, I have had some really sad cases of experiencers that just went, they went full gear towards hypnosis and they uncovered things that they were not prepared to recover. It hit them all at once like a brick wall and they couldn't handle it and they didn't have the appropriate support. And unfortunately, they chose to take their life.
1: Mm. Mm. So that's one thing, too, that I think is really important here, remembering, or I guess sort of um, to make clear to people, right? So in your experience, what is the point or where do you think kind of the limits of what you feel comfortable doing as someone who's, you know, done... Um, you know done done some training and stuff in these fields but is not a psychologist per se right you're not a you're not a trained psychologist
2: and I Wh- I tell all of my experiencers like look I'm not a doctor I don't have a piece of paper that says that you know I am uh, licensed in this that I'm that it's my word over theirs that say that they can help you mm-hmm. and I I draw the line um, very clearly that you know if you're able to function day to day and you're able to um, go to work and you're able to take care of your kids and you're able to go to sleep at night, you know, I'm willing to work with you and your PTSD and kind of doing this preservation. But when it comes to the point that this is interfering with your daily life and you're not able to sleep and you're not able to uh, go to work every day and you're suffering from really severe health issues, I, um, I will always refer them out to a, a psychologist or even suggest like, Hey, if this starts getting really overwhelming, I need you to go to an emergency room and get real medical treatment. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no way to be too careful when working with repressed memories.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, and frankly, that view and your professionalism there is why we feel comfortable having you on. So, you know, it's, it's a, it always makes me so upset when we go to events and we see people who are, clearly deeply traumatized by whatever they feel happened to them, whatever they're remembering, and then see them be re-traumatized by the bad application of hypnosis or, you know, um, I was given a card once I was given someone's card for abductee research. And it was, if you Googled like where the address was that it took you to, it took you to their garage. Yeah. You know, and it's like that, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want to have my car fixed in someone's random garage, let alone my brain. Um, or, you know, yeah.
2: I love what I do. I consider myself a professional. But there's there's no story out there to me that is worth someone's, you know, it's not worth their safety. It's not worth their life. It's not worth... Um, you know, them losing their job or, um, leaving their family. You know, I, I don't do this for money. I never charge. I never get paid. Um, and I think that that's really important. You know, you, you can get fame and fortune lost and regained many times, Chris, but once you lose your integrity, that's it, you're done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I have really strict standards. Um, uh, and when I work with experiencers, there's this whole questionnaire that we go through just to make sure that they don't have any underlying mental health issues or physical issues. You know, I'm very gentle and very careful when I do my due diligence. Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess this is kind of a, a, a last question for you, and then we're going to start we'll, – we'll transition over to Kyle. Um, what, what do you suggest to someone who thinks that they've had an experience –
2: If you think you've had an experience, first of all, either write it down, uh, do word dictation, um, make a recording, make some kind of preservation of your own before you start doing the research, before you start talking to other people, before you go to a doctor, before you get hypnotized, whatever you do, write it down for yourself. So that you have that very clean, very pure account of what happened to you. Details do fade over time, no matter how amazing your experience was. And then if you want to talk to somebody safely, there are uh, psychologists that I can definitely recommend that are open to this kind of stuff where you can talk about it and you can handle your trauma without the threat of being uh, institutionalized. So definitely um, write it down. And one of the most important things I teach people is tell your story first to believe yourself, not to make others believe you. You need to believe in yourself and your own voice. Other people don't matter. And Mm -hmm. that no matter what you've been through, you need to honor yourself because you survived. Whether you were 8 or 15 or 32, you need to honor that person that survived that situation because if they did not survive, you would not be here to tell your story.
3: I think one of the things that's so compelling about what you're doing as well is, while it's about honoring the self, they're also, they're not alone, right? They're realizing that this happened to them and they don't have to be, they have the choice not to be isolated with it. Absolutely. And that there's, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, and you, that you don't have to be alone and that there are a lot more experiencers out there than we think that there are. This is not as rare as we make it seem and that you're, you're absolutely right, Marie, that you don't have to carry this burden alone with you for the rest of your life. And it's, it's the loneliest existence I can imagine having to carry this through and not being able to talk about it.
1: it. Well, honestly, one of the most interesting things that I at least I've noticed in my daily life is... When people inevitably find out about the podcast, you know, and no matter how, no matter how much I uh, try not to be that guy who's like, hey, my name is Chris. I have a podcast. Here's my sticker. Please subscribe. (laughs) And I won't shut up about it until you subscribe and I see you listening. You know, as much as I try not to be that guy, when people inevitably find out about the podcast, the first thing they want to do is tell me about their experience, you know, their ghost story or their cousin who saw UFO or um, you know uh, their love of Bigfoot and you know it's it's always the first thing people talk about and so if we if we broaden that definition of what an experience is the people who haven't had an experience might be in the minority it's kind of it's kind of wild
2: (laughs) it really is once you you open a dialogue and you just leave it open and you're ready to listen um you can walk into a Verizon store and you can have a conversation with somebody and just, I just giving people my business card or just saying like, oh, I, I work with Preservations. They'll ask me what an experiencer is. You know, I'll tell them it's for me, it's someone that's seen something weird or felt something that they couldn't explain. And you're right. They will jump the gun and just kind of launch into a story. And it's, it's exciting for me. Um, I would prefer it if you would not follow me into the bathroom if you're continuing <laughs> to talk. <laughs> That's <laughs> happened before at a convention. Like, I love to hear stories all the time. And it, it really does. It happens in the strangest of places.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Well, anyway, speaking, uh, speaking of Verizon or sweet cell phone deals you can get, now a word from one of our sponsors. <laughs> And we're back. So, okay, you uh, came on. So originally why you reached out, or I guess really why we got kind of connected in the first place, was because of the work you were doing, and I was very interested. And, you know, we kind of started talking, and I got to meet a couple of experiencers. And you had someone who you thought would be – who just had a a really interesting, compelling story. And so we want to introduce – I guess kind of the world really, because it's the first time you've told this story to Kyle. Um, So for listeners, you know, and we we know our listeners are, are sharp and also very skeptical. Um, So Kyle is a, uh, Kyle is from the Midwest, somewhere in the Midwest. Um, He has a family, um, normal day job, you know, um, just, just generally a pretty normal guy you know, who has had pretty extraordinary experiences, I would say. And so, um, Kyle, first off, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. No problem, man. So why don't you kind of start off, I guess, by telling us. So first off, I guess, what tell give us give us the history, right? So how did this start for you? And just kind of, I guess, give us the general timeline of what's What's occurred to you?
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh first I want to say like uh NK I mean, she's she's been totally awesome through this. I mean she she definitely sells herself short. Um she's been totally professional. I'm I'm to- I'm hundred percent glad that I ended up uh choosing her to uh to tell this to. But um so no, I mean like you said, I'm I'm a uh a pretty normal guy, I like to think. I do have a family, so Um, also I just want to say, you know, I know that, you know, for your listeners out there, for anybody out there, number one, if if this is bothering you, I mean, if you do have something that's bothering you, definitely reach out because I mean, there are people, you know, like here today, but there, but there's so many people out there that would be more than willing to help you. You know, I know there's probably a few that, you know, might not be ethical about it, but I mean, there definitely are tons that, that will, but, um, you know, uh, I'm pretty skeptical about things myself. Um, I guess a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me if I believed in a lot of paranormal things, I would have probably said no, just because I really didn't have much of a base to go on. But, um, you know, going with that skeptic, I, I think, is super important. So, you know, anybody listening to this today, you know, definitely, you know, break down what I say if you don't believe it. That's a good thing. You shouldn't just believe things just because somebody said something. But anyways... Um, so, so uh, yeah, basically, um, I, I, it was only until, I'm in my late 20s now, um, nearly 30, but it was basically uh, things had kind of happened all my life, you know, a lot of weird things, um, but it wasn't until I was probably 16 or 17 until I really started putting anything together and, um, and, and looking back on things, and, and then a lot, of, a lot of weird stuff started happening around that age too that you know it's actually a little more concrete things for me that got me to push me into this kind of realm hmm.
1: so what i guess would be what, what is i guess kind of the earliest memory you have of something odd happening to you
2: well but, let's let's press pause here for a second um if, if you want to start in chronological order uh Kyle, I would suggest starting with your near-death experience because when I when I as a researcher, when you were kind of explaining all of this to me, that's a really significant thing that happened to you, and it kind of set the stage for you noticing these things later on. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I would start with your near-death experience and then go from there. No. Um, So basically, I mean, I had a couple things happen as a child,
0: but um, I think <laughs> it was around eight years old. I had had a um, a tonsillectomy. And, uh, I, I, you know, everything went smooth, I had my, I had my uh, tonsils and had ones removed. And, um, a few, uh, I think it was a few weeks later, my parents took us uh, to Kings Island, which probably isn't the best idea, you know, after having a surgery like that, but, uh, you know, I felt all healed up. So after a day of riding rides and screaming, you know, having a good time, the next day I am at school and, um, Actually, been down to tie my shoe. You know, we're going to recess or whatever, and the uh, kid just barely bumps the back of my head. I mean, there's no big deal or nothing. And um, all of a sudden, I get this like really warm, salty taste in my mouth. And so I run to the sink and I open my mouth, and blood just starts pouring out. Like it's it's really um, really bad. So I'm freaked out at that age. You <laughs> know, I'm uh, I think I'm third grade. So uh, I run down the hallway and uh, down the stairs to the nurse's office and. She's, you know, she sees all the blood. She starts freaking out. So, uh, anyways, I, you know, we finally get it stopped. Um, my dad come pick me up and, and that night, you know, they talked to the doctor and he was like, well, you know, that can sometimes happen. So just keep an eye on it. You know, if it happens again, definitely bring him to the hospital, uh, which turned out to be, you know, a little too late. Um, so that night I wake up in the middle of the night and, uh, I can't breathe and, you know, I'm having like a bad nightmare, and I wake up, and I'm I'm just covered in sweat, and I just can't breathe. I'm laying on my back, and I I flip on the light, and I realize I can't breathe because I'm I'm covered in blood. Like it's total horror show. I mean, just horrible thing. So, I um I, I go to the bathroom, and it's just like coming out. I mean, coming out way too fast, and it's really freaking me out. And I'm I'm losing energy, all this and that, and. So, my parents you know they they put me in the back of the car, and they rushed me to the hospital and At this time, um we're about thirty forty minutes away from the nearest hospital, mm-hmm. that's if you're you know traveling pretty quickly so uh I don't know. I remember sitting there in the back seat and um you know this time I'm, I'm I've lost quite a bit of blood uh, I, I, My mom had like a, a tea pitcher and it was nearly full, and I just remember sitting there looking at them and thinking you know, what, what, it was, just, it was honestly, it was a weird feeling. It was the most peaceful feeling ever thinking, you know, what is life going to be like without them? And, uh, you know, it, it was just a real traumatic situation. Um, you know, I still to this day and my parents, they won't talk about it. I think it bothers them, but, uh, you to the hospital, uh, they, um, they take me in the yard ER and they do surgery. But, uh, I remember the doctor telling my parents that, you know, five or 10 minutes later, like I probably, uh, that I couldn't have made it. So, hmm. um, I'm seeing I a lot changed after that. I mean,
1: I, kind
0: of, I, I don't know. I, I felt, uh, now looking back on it, I think a lot of things started happening after that.
1: So what, so what do you mean by what, what started happening? Like for the listeners listening, right? So what, what kind of are the range of your experiences?
0: Yeah. So like I said, I was about, uh, for a little more background, I, I live, um, near, so well, I did live, I grew up near state forest, um, uh it's a pretty big area. One of multiple parts. But um we were out there and uh so I think it's like um October, we in October, and uh I think this is the event that really kicked everything off. So it's like a uh, it's still warm out, so we have the windows open. And uh I get out like I guess I'm about fifteen, sixteen, I get out of the shower and I uh I walked into my, my brother's room and his um He isn't there at the time, and I'm, like, stealing some of his clothes, of course. And uh, so the window's open, and then um, I think it's probably, like, 11 o'clock at night. I hear this just massive roar. And like I said, I've lived in the – you know, near the woods my whole life. I've heard pretty much any animal that's out there. This was unlike anything I've ever heard. I mean, just – if I could describe it, it's like – like a uh, like a demon grizzly bear. I mean it's just the loudest thing. I mean I, and as soon as I heard it I knew that there's nothing in these woods that could that could make that sound.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I run out to the uh living room and I'm telling my dad I'm like, "Hey, you know, did you and he's looking at me. He barely heard it, but he, I think he had the TV on or something, but uh we ended up, you know, going outside, never really found, saw anything, but um that right there, that event kind of like started off a lot of things. And, uh, so, so when he, he gets home, like I said, it's, there's walking trails and everything. So he would always walk his dog, you know, around the tracks down there at nighttime, you know, by himself just to, as a way to exercise that, you know, getting off work and stuff. And, uh, my dad's a pretty tough guy. I mean, he's like, you know, the dad, the American dad kind of guy. Like he, uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't really, I think buy into a lot of, you know, superstitious things so uh, one night he comes home and i remember there he's he walks through the door and i look at him and he's just he's white as a ghost and i i I'll walk up to him and i'm like hey what's going on and he's i can see him crying and this is besides the time that like i almost died i've never seen him cry i mean it just i knew something was really wrong and uh he begins to tell me that uh while he was walking he had heard the same kind of roar, except it was, and keep in mind, this is a country road. I mean, there's woods on both sides. Mm -hmm. Basically heard something like that near him. Uh, He said about 50 feet off into the woods. And he was saying how it just sounded like, you know, pure rage, like whatever that was, was just wanting to, you know, rip something in half. And he describes to me that he, you know, heard like, something sound like a, like a bulldozer going through the woods and just ripping like big sized trees down. And he thought that, it, you know, like, this has to be some kind of like a joke or something, but then he thought, you know, I don't hear any kind of engine or anything like that. Um, the dog's freaking out and takes off running and he's just, he just takes off walking quickly. And he said to me that he thought, you know, any minute something's coming, it's going to, you know, just swipe out and get him. but, um, he told me that he thought, if he had uh, stuck off running that he, you know, he would have died. So, um, for my dad to say that, I mean, you have to know the guy, but for him to say that it was, it was pretty huge, but so, I mean, those are the kind of things that kind of kicked, kicked things off. And so,
2: uh, Another aspect of your, um, of your preservation that we talked about, there's a lot of stuff that went on in that woods for you, especially, uh, do you kind of want to talk about the time where you woke up in those woods? I know it wasn't just one time.
0: Yeah, so um this story here, I mean this this is really what for me was like wow, something. I mean this this is real.
1: So uh, so 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 far then you had this experience when you were on 8 of almost dying, then this experience of hearing this kind of this roar of some kind. And then about a year later, your father heard something similar. Now you've mentioned to us that these all happened at the same time of year, right? So mm-hmm. everything seems to occur or seems to kind of center around like October around that time of year, like around the fall, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Interesting. And so, and so when, but at the same time, though, you were having nightmares, right? Or you were having things that you thought were nightmares. So, do you want to go into some of those?
0: So, about that time, um, I have. Uh, it's not, it's, it wasn't a nightmare. Um, I didn't even remember this until I'm just sitting on the couch uh, one day, you know, I think getting off to school or something, and uh, watching TV like a normal day, and all of a sudden, it's just the weirdest thing. I mean, I, I can't explain it. It's just like all of a sudden something just popped into my head and it's like one of those moments like, Oh my gosh. Like, well, you know, I totally forgot. About it. How did I forget about this? But I clearly remember it, it just came flooding back to me. I clearly remember, um, about I think, two nights before, uh, I had woken up in the middle of the night. Um, and I remember setting up in bed and it was, you know, I almost like I can describe it. I guess it was like, Feeling like sleepwalking, except while you're awake. If that makes any sense, but I mean, it, it, something just didn't feel right. And I, I wake, get up out of bed, um, you know, put my feet on the floor. I'm looking around my room, and I notice there's like a bluish white light coming in the, in the windows, and it's like filling the house. And it's confusing. It's not alarming me at all. So it's just something's like you know something's up. So I get up and I, I start walking into my, you know, through the hallway, into my kitchen, and, um, to give a kind of a layout, my parents have, like, a, uh, like, a modular home, so it's not real big, so I walk through the kitchen, and I remember uh, looking over to the blinds, and seeing the light coming through the blinds, I, I mean, there wasn't a, uh, huge light source out there, it was just enough to, almost like, a super bright, a little more than, like, a super bright moon night, or something, but, uh, so I walk into the living room, and, um, I I look forward and I see so, so my parents' bedroom is like straight forward. So to my left in the living room, there's two bay windows there. I see two beings standing, uh, one's by the TV and one's kind of by the window. And to my right, there's a being by the door. And I don't remember. I remember thinking I knew they were wearing clothes, but I don't remember seeing their faces. Um, at all I, I can't like it seems like I can't grab grab that and pull that back but mm-hmm. um I, so I keep walking in like I said this is weird it didn't it didn't alarm me it was almost the feeling of like I'm walking into something I'm not supposed to so I walk in and I see I walk into and I'm standing in my through that and I'm standing in my parents doorway and I look into there and you know clear as day like I can I can clearly remember this and, it, and that's weird like even more than a memory and uh I see, so on my mom's side, straight ahead of me, there's some being, some taller being standing on her side, leaning over top of her, and on my dad's side, there's one by his nightstand, and then another by, like, the TV. Um, they're, it's kind of like staring at his nightstand or something. Uh, so as soon as I walk in there, I stop in that doorway, and they all turn and look at me. And again, I can, I know they turn and look at me, but in my head, I can't, My like, picture a face. I know they're wearing mm-hmm. some kind of like clothes or something. Um, they were nat- naturally tall. Uh, I don't want to be like, you know, too cliche, but they seem to be like, like the typical tall alien or something. I remember thinking, Oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be like. I remember thinking that, but so anyways, mm-hmm. very gently, uh, the one by the door comes in like, like you would a sleepwalking child grabs me by my shoulders and turns me around and walks me back to my room and puts me in bed. And so, And I just remember thinking, like, okay, you got to go back to bed. Um, like, him telling me that or something. But hmm. it was, like, the most strangest thing ever. I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, watch TV, and this just is, like, I can remember in detail. Like, when I'm telling this, I can see it in my head. You know, I can see that playing out. So that right there, I mean, that was one thing where I was, like, you know, how do you say that to anybody without it being sounding crazy? I can't explain that that's not a dream to me. I mean, I don't know how I can, how I can tell that. Like, I would think it would be if I heard that. But I definitely, I mean, it definitely wasn't. It definitely doesn't seem like that. So um, that was a strange thing. But so you had that memory
3: sitting. That memory came back to you. Sitting um, sitting on the sofa when you're you're awake at a certain point.
0: Yeah, I'm just sitting there and it's just it was just like remember like the feeling you get when you're like you remember something that you were supposed to do and it was urgent mm-hmm. and you just totally forgot about it, that how it's like, oh you know, mm-hmm. you jump real quick. It was like that, like I just like this just popped in my head. Like like mm-hmm. wanting to tell something about somebody and be like, right. I gotta remember to say that to somebody, but you just forgetting it, I guess.
3: Did you remember it all at once or did it require Recall. As soon as
0: like that memory popped in my head, it like I just as soon as I began at the beginning, it just played like it was like it played through. Mm. Like I, I could remember each step of it. I guess okay. it did. I mean, if that makes was sense. There... Like, it didn't just yeah. pop yeah. in my head. It's like was... it's like yeah. a, as soon as I started thinking about it, it was following it. I guess I don't
3: know. Right. And what were you? What were you doing? What were you doing when when? when it was triggered, were you watching something on TV or were you, was there something happening in the house or just, I'm just curious as to kind of what, what would be something that would, that might've invoked
0: it or like kind of. I was sitting on the couch and I was looking it. out the window. That's it. Okay. I was uh, just looking out at the, at the forest there, but um, huh. I mean, nothing, okay. nothing in particular. Hmm. Um,
1: it me it makes me wonder so i well I know from my own kind of i guess experiences right where um and we we've talked about this on the show too, right that i've you know uh we all have things in our past and whatever that have been traumatic in some way, right, and so for me um some of those some of those events have not been dealt with um or were not dealt with as a kid very kind of in a way that would you know lead to you actually overcoming them correctly, I guess I'd say, and so you know i had i I have anxiety issues, right, and I know for me sometimes the things that set off memories are very um are just random you know what i mean there's no there's mm-hmm. no rhyme or reason for them um it's a smell it's a it's a sound you know what i mean it's it's very little things it's um so i I totally get what you're saying there but so mm-hmm when you remembered this, right? So, sorry. So you were kind of in the process of telling us this narrative overall. So we'll, mm-hmm. so, so keep going with that. We, I'm writing down my questions.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you're fine. So at that time, you know, I still really wasn't educated at all about, you know, in the paranormal world or any of this. So that's kind of where that started leading me out down that road. Cause I was like, you know, I know in my heart, like, I know I feel this was real, but at the same time, I, you know, I want to know, more about it and and, you know since then I've definitely uh you know kind of done some more research but so at that point I started kind of going back you know over the next few years I started going and looking back on things that had happened uh so I have a lot of uh, memories as a kid of you know just I guess more of weird feelings if that makes any sense like was it not such no not such much so much of a memory but more of a feeling but Two of them, uh, these two experiences really have always stuck with me. Um, growing up, I just attributed them to being dreams because I thought, you know, that couldn't really happen in life. So, uh, I guess I'll start with, um, one, one that's they're about the same time. I'm living up with my grandparents who were there before they, we built our house. Um, I'm young. I'm probably five or six. Uh, so I would wake up a lot outside and I know that sounds weird, but like in totally real life, like this has happened several times where, I mean, one time I was, you know, near the highway and I would wake up trying to, you know, and just be outside and and it's terrifying as a kid because it's, you know, I feel exposed and I'm like, you know, confused. as how I got here. But I'm also like, I need to get back to my parents. You know, I, I don't like being in the dark. I'm not necessarily scared of it, but, who likes being in the woods by themselves at night as a kid. So, um, so this one particular night I wake up and there, there's a bunch of mounds where I live. Like, um, one of them is actually a pretty famous mound, but just uh, just giant, you know, Indian burial mounds. Well, um, I, I guess, I don't know if they're Indian burial mounds. I know it's something to do with the Indians, but, uh, we had this smaller mound, um, by my house, you know, I'd say about five feet high, you know, kind of, kind of a little mound right there. It was, uh, just right in the woods. Um, and before we built our house there, uh, there's just always, I, I don't know if I can explain it, but there's always a really dark feeling about this place. I mean, you know, we played there as, you know, as kids and stuff, but just always got a really dark feeling about these woods for some reason I can't explain. So I wake up at night and, um, I'm laying on my back on top of that mount, you know, and, uh, I'm look, I remember looking up at the stars, you know, there's no moon out, um, And so, like I said, I'm right at the inside of the wood mine. And so I look over at my grandparents and I would say, you know, it's probably about three o'clock in the morning and I'm just overcome with fear because I'm thinking, oh my God, like what is going on? I feel so vulnerable and exposed. And uh, I remember looking there thinking I didn't want to move to like to get to the house, but I just was like laying on my back. And so uh, all of a sudden I realized they were like, at first I thought they were trees you know, like, a, like a circle of trees maybe like five or six you know taller trees but as, as I look up I'm looking straight up at the sky I notice that they're they start moving and then I notice they're not trees they're like tall tall uh beings like circling me and I'm just looking up and I'm just so like frozen in fear thinking oh my you know oh my gosh and uh I remember them just they were talking. I, I couldn't understand what they were saying, but they were like bending and looking over me, like studying me. I felt like, um, so that, that was, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what happened there. I remember, um, later getting also after that I'm in the yard and I, I try to get into the house and the doors are locked and my parents, you know, this is like an old school house. So I don't, I, I they couldn't figure out how I got out there. Um, Hmm. But again, like I attribute it to a dream. Um, so the other thing that happened, which is, you know, one of the more interesting things is, and this has just been like a core memory of mine for some reason, but, um, my dad and I would watch, we would watch the stars sometimes, you know, like uh, lay out on the stars on, on a sleeping bag. He had, so, uh, you know, being out in the country, you can see the stars pretty big and he's always one, you know, he's wanting to be out in the wilderness and stuff. So, uh, one night at my grandma's house, she, um, He takes me out there and, uh, you know, we lay down on the the sleeping bag and, you know, we're just watching the stars. And uh, we must have fallen asleep because I wake up um, a few hours later, you know, it's the middle of the night. And I wake up, first thing I see, you know, is the stars. You know, there's no moon out that night. The stars are really bright. And uh, immediately I'm panicked. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm out here by my I feel like I'm by myself because he's asleep and, you know, mm-hmm. I can see the dark woods here and there's no lights on. So uh, I lay back down thinking that, you know, if I get scared enough I can wake him up. So I'm standing there laying on my back just looking at the sky. Um, and if you're – so if I have my vision, basically the bottom of it is, what, is the tree line. So I can see basically just black you know, treetops against the, the night sky. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just sitting there, you know, looking at the stars and all of a sudden – from my right side, immediately, like just—it's almost like I thought it was the treetops because it's the same shade of black. Just some big, massive, <laughs> for a better word, ship just comes right over top of us. Not—I mean, it's just from right to left, slowly moving, and it's—I mean, it's not fifty feet above us. Like, it's just obscuring the whole sky, and I remember thinking I was so shocked because it didn't make no noise. It was just there. And without, you know, completely silent coming right over top of us. And I am just, I'm so scared that I can't even, I'm trying to like shake my dad, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm just, I'm like, I can't move. I'm frozen fear. And I'm just not so much that, but I can't believe what I'm seeing. I'm thinking, oh my, you know, this is, there's no way that's real. And I remember, I remember clearly like, you know, seeing the the design of this and there was, it wasn't like a typical, you know, what you think of as a spaceship and, uh, it was, it had it almost like a, what my, what came to mind initially was like a pirate ship. Now that sounds crazy, but I mean, it would sound like, um, like netting, like cargo nets and, and stuff hanging off of it. I mean, it was really like met like a big cargo ship or something. So I see it come right over top of me and I remember seeing it closer, I think, but then that's where that ends. And so, you know, naturally I always thought that was a memory. And, um, so my dad, you know, we walk quite a bit down at the track, you know, and we talk and stuff. And uh, he min- mentioned before where he had had things happen to him as a kid, but he didn't want to talk about it. Like, I think, you know, like in Kate, was saying how you know, people get traumatized. I think he, he always is a tough, you know, a tough guy, like a man's man. Mm-hmm. But I think whatever's happened to him has really traumatized him because he doesn't want to talk about it out of he, he, he told me once that he's he scared that. They, like something has told him not to, that he thinks something bad would happen if he did say about it. You know That sounds a little um, crazy,
2: but That's actually so a really uh, interesting segue, Kyle, where you say that your dad is scared that something would happen to him if he started talking about it. Um, when you contacted me and uh, we had our initial phone conversation, um, you, you had your activity pick up after that, correct?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of things happened there for a while.
2: I, I, I had forgotten to tell Kyle, and this, this, this comes directly from Earl Grey Anderson, one of my most beloved mentors, is that this is an interactive phenomena and that the more that you chase, or chase it and research it and try to figure out what's going on, the more it's going to interact with you. So after this initial phone call, um, some of Kyle's activity picked up, which I'll let him talk about. And he called me again to tell me about it. And I was like, oh, no, I, I completely forgot to tell you about this. But uh, I, I had to teach him, you know, ways of setting up boundaries and ways of setting up defenses that, you know, it's OK for you to be interacting with me. But it's definitely something that's going to have to happen on my terms Mm. And uh, Kyle did a really great job with that. Um, he was working on it super well. And I contacted him again before we went to uh, do this show just to make sure that he was okay with coming on. And then that activity escalated more into um, a really amazing, creepy story. Um, I'll, I'll kind of let him take the ropes on that, but definitely an interactive phenomena. So if, if you guys out there want to start telling your story, and you want to start researching, researching these things. Um, I am going to give you that honest advice that it, it's very possible that your activity will start to pick up and explode around you.
1: Okay. So Kyle before, so that's, it's really interesting that this idea of, um, feeling like something bad might happen by talking about this stuff and then actually having in, in your mind and in any in case experience with other people too, actually having things start to maybe happen. Um, So to continue with your dad though. So I'm I'm really fascinated here. So your dad.
0: Yeah. So um, we were talking, Mm -hmm. you know, like we, we have long conversations, you know, walking the track at night and just, it's a way to me to talk, you know, to talk to my dad and stuff. So we were talking and I was, you know, I told him before about, you know, waking up and and stuff like that, that night I'd woken up and saw those in the house. And he, I can tell he believes me, but maybe, is scared that if he tells me more that it might lead me down a bad, uh, a path, I guess, if you want to say, or, or fuel something that maybe he thinks I should just forget. But so I, I began telling him about, you know, things that happened as a kid. And, and he was, you know, seemed pretty interested to hear about it. And I tell him about seeing, I, I tell him about the, what I just said about, you know, watching the stars and, and seeing that. And I said, you know, that's always stuck with me, but it's, you know, always seemed like a dream. And I said, and I said, I was just, telling him, you know, they flew over and I said, I was getting ready to describe it. And I said, uh, it was the weirdest thing though. It didn't look like what I thought it looked like. It looked like he goes, a pirate ship. And I'm just like, I, I, it's my brain kind of froze. I'm like, I tell you this cause I'm, I'm positive. Like, I don't think I've ever told him this. Uh, I mean, I, I remember, I mean, if I had it been years ago and he's, you know, when I was a kid, but he said, he was like, straight face to me. He told me, he's like, I, he's like, I've seen the same thing several nights because he like, he'll sleep outside, like on the, on the hammock and stuff. He's just you know, kind of one of those guys. He's, he's done that, you know, it's summer night. He'll sleep out outside or, or lay out there and fall asleep. And he said that he, that on like uh, two or three occasions that he's woken up. And this has been just not even a few years ago that he has woken up in the middle of the night and thinking that he's like, gotten underneath of a car or something like he's thinking like, you know, where am I at? And then realize that it's not, it's just, there's, that ship is on top of him and like usually going away. Or he said, you know, it'll come, it'll be come across him like that. And he's, I mean, he tells me this like, you know, excited, like, Oh my, you know, this is crazy because you know how, I don't know that to me. It's like, okay. Yeah. Aliens are real because my dad would never say that because, uh, it's just, it was so crazy to get that confirmation that he was like, he was telling me and de- describing my memory. That's another thing he, if I, you know, had I told him, cause I always try to make sure, you know, okay, how could this happen? Like, let's play the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. He's telling me details about it that he couldn't even have known. Like, I mean, there's so fine details in my memory that it's like, there's no way you would have known that. I, you know, if you asked me to describe it, it would be hard for me to get the details. And he's telling me details. It's like straight up, Playing the video in my head.
1: So, what are some of the? Can you can you give me some of those? Or can you give us some of those details if you feel comfortable?
0: Yeah. No. He said. Um. Just saw like, like he he said basically described me like a pirate ship. He said you know he's seen big ropes hanging off of it, and you know I can remember that too. There was no and he said no lights like, that that was the whole defining thing really because there was absolutely no lights against it. So I just had this thing contrasted against the stars, you know, against the night sky, and it's just it's black shape in the sky and he said you know he's telling me how he couldn't believe what he's seeing because it was so quiet and you know he was telling me it had to have been some kind of like government thing and I thought I, I doubt that but uh again I think he's he's real reluctant I think to say these things because I think in it's in order to like protect himself as far as like his beliefs and stuff I think if he really admitted to or, or, you know, took an honest look at, at things that happened to him. He would, you know, have to admit to him things that those things really happened. So, um, so, so basically, that was a point where it's like, okay, you know, for my dad to say it, it's like, and for him to know those things, like something's going on. I, I don't know exactly what, but
1: so how how old were you when you and your dad had this conversation? Oh, this was just a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay, so this maybe last year. Okay so suddenly then so so now suddenly kind of a picture is starting to form here of so you you had experiences that you thought were a little odd you know or a little bit out of the ordinary right not not a lot of people can say that they had a like such a near you know a close shave with death as a kid um and then to have this other kind of memory that you had of this 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 noise outside and then your dad having the same experience then Maybe, you know, one day and this, the day that you had that memory, I'm assuming was like maybe a couple of years after the noise event, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of years later, you suddenly remember these other events or, or this other event that happened where these beings were in your house and then, and then, but you've always had recall. Kind of like, I just, I
0: had I just really never, I'd never really given it much shot just because I thought it was so, you know so outlandish that it had to have been a dream. Okay,
1: okay, so these – got it. So these things were always kind of in the back of your head, these thoughts or these memories, but you always thought or you always figured they must be dreams because there's no way, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, just kind of random things that I thought, you know, until I started piecing them together and thinking, you know, I'll hear some other person say something and it's like very similar to something, you know.
1: Right, well, yeah, no, well, so suddenly then your dad starts to kind of give you confirmation almost and then – I guess kind of the story opens up, right? Well,
3: just out of curiosity, what, so when you were waking up and you were outside, it sounded like you were a pretty young kid, like around five or six, is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So what, if it happened, like, even if it happened once or multiple times, like, what did your parents say? Or what do you, do you remember them having a reaction? Just because I'm just, yeah, I mean, like, I'm assuming that they would be incredibly freaked out about that too. Like how how did their kid get out of the house? And like, what was sort of the, the, um, the outcome of that? Like, what was like, whatever happened? Did they, were they like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to tie him to a, you know, tie his foot to the bedpost or I'm joking, but you know, like what did they decide to, what did they do?
0: So where we lived at before, it was, I mentioned it was like, um, it was next to a highway, Mm-hmm. One time I woke up out there, and, and again, the door was locked. And so, what my parents did like, I remember coming back and knocking on the door. And at that time, they had thought, like, I was, you know, I had just been sneaking out to play outside or something, which I told, I remember telling, like, I was visibly scared. Mm-hmm. My parents are great parents, but at, again, I think they're like a lot of people who don't want to. My dad's more so. He's he's more, like, open to these things. But my mom, it's like, nope, it's the devil, and that's it. Like, you know, uh, very close-minded about these things. But, um, no, they actually um, – they changed – they put a new lock on our door um, mm-hmm. to where you'd have to have a key if you could lock it from the inside, and you'd have to have a key to get out of it as well, mm-hmm. you know, to get in. Um, my grandparents' house, they put see, uh see, so – the main door, I don't remember them doing anything to that. But I remember, they like, but yeah, I mean, they would, like, um, my grandparents' windows are locked. And, and it's, they never, again, they never said to me, uh, you know, do you need, like it was my fault or nothing. They would just, um, they were definitely freaked out. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think they knew how to deal with that. I mean, it's a good question, really, because I remember them, I remember them putting the lock on that door and then they uh, put, like, a I remember having a bar like on the sliding glass windows, but I mean, besides them, the first time kind of getting on to me, and I, t- I was explaining to her that I didn't go, I didn't do that. Like, I got woke up out there and she thought that I was sleepwalking because um, I had sleep, you know, I, every kid I to like sleepwalks, but you know, I had sleepwalks a couple of times, but these were situations where she couldn't understand, like if you went out the door, if you don't have a key, how is it locked? So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. I have to ask him because I don't really know how they felt about that. I never mean, really.
3: And it was. It happened. Did it happen after they changed the locks as
0: well, at your parents' house? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say like in total, I've woken up outside. Like, I mean, not since since I was a kid, but I mm-hmm. woke up outside. Of probably. I mean, in that situation, like you couldn't figure out how I got out and locked mm-hmm. the door back. Probably like. Uh, 10 times, six, seven, eight times. I don't
1: know. Wow.
0: So, yeah.
3: It's- but a handful of times. And was it between, like, was it, like, again, when you were a younger kid, like this this grouping of of waking up outside happened between a certain ages or,
0: like? it a few years, yeah. No, I mean, if, I would say from, like, five to ten. I don't think it happened after ten that I can remember. Um, hmm Wow. I've had some what? dreams that I've that I've been out in the woods, and I'm pretty sure they're just like dreams, you know. But these are times oh. where it's like I'm legit out here, and I walk. Yeah. Out.
1: You're in the woods. Wow. Well, so that's that's I guess that's I guess one question that I have is how do you, okay? So, um, my my dad's side of the family seems to really like everyone seems to suffer with various forms of like sleep apnea, right? So my dad, I'll never forget, when he first was diagnosed with sleep apnea, the reason they diagnosed him with it was because he would get up at night and walk over to his bedroom window and start smoking cigarettes and talk about and – and I, and I know like UFO people are going to be like, oh my god. But he would claim that there was an owl at the window that he would talk to, right? That's crazy. And which is – Generous the do, you know, doctors then he started sleeping with a face mask and it started going away. Right. And so for our family, it was, it was always very, very clear that what was going on was, you know, oh, we're not getting enough oxygen to our brains when we sleep, you know, because we're like a family of bulldogs. Um, so, you know, we all have pug noses, but what I would ask or you know, every time people say that these things must be dreams or they should be dreams, As someone who has very vivid um, nightmares and very vivid dreams, and it's so obvious when they're, you know, they're different. They are different in kind to a physical kind of event. You know what I mean? For you, for you, what is it? Yeah, What Yeah. You know, what is it that makes you think that they're real? I mean, obviously, some of these events have physical effects, right? Your parents changed the lock in the door. You had a bar put over to this window. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, your dad recalls the same event, it sounds like. Um,
0: that was one. I mean, that was really yeah. – right there was one where it's like, okay, you know, there's something more to that. Yeah. More right. On, but, no, like like you and like – I mean, like most people, like I think that – you know, I'm not quick to try to play something, you know, say, oh, this is this because, you know, sleep paralysis, I think is very real. I think that, you know, um, almost as as a dream world being over, you know, overlaid on your, on your real world, I think that can happen. Um, you know, that may be that that side of it.
2: I hate, I hate interrupting you, Kyle, but you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. As far as science goes as well, Chris, uh, there is still no definitive definition of sleep paralysis or why it happens and what that means. They have not figured it out yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, but 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 basically, though, it's sort of the – it's just the fact that there are certain dreams that have similar – or certain events – I shouldn't call them dreams, but certain events that have similar motifs and similar things happening that then get – that then seem to have – um correlation with or at least uh confirmation of some aspects of them in the waking world
2: absolutely um you can look at some of that research where uh people that suffer from sleep paralysis it's called the hag yeah where the the old creepy woman comes into the room and then she pushes down on your chest Mm -hmm. like she's trying to uh suffocate you and Mm -hmm. and we have we have reports of that from all around the world
1: Well, so, but, so that's, but that's, but that would be one instance where like a devil's, you know, someone playing the kind of skeptical devil's advocate side would say, well, the brain comes up with these similar motifs, but something like a pirate ship or something like even, again, you waking, you waking up and then going to the door and your parents having to let you in and yelling at you and being like, what, what do they say about that? Like, what, what do they say about that today? They just don't want to talk about it. They seem uncomfortable.
0: Um, I'm sorry, did, did you have something I saw, saw somebody trying to get in there I
3: Oh, It was me, it was me, it was about the pirate ship I'm just, i sorry because it's, so the first thought that came into your head until, I don't want to put words in your mouth but pirate ship and even if it has something hanging off, like what was the feeling that was like pirate ship because that's very like evocative and very specific well, it's, very, it's, all, very it's,
1: it's also very little kid, though, right? It's also very... Well, wait, like let him answer. Or, let him answer, Sorry, Chris. go ahead. Let him answer. Sorry.
3: <laughs> well, Chris, no, I'm asking him. I'm asking him.
0: That yeah. is like... So besides my dad, like, saying that and describing things, it's like,
2: wait uh, up. You know,
0: and I'm always... It's like, I yeah. would like it to be like, hey, you know, hey, yo, I met aliens and we talked. Like, that would be cool, but I've always wanted to make sure, you know, that's not what happened. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess to answer both your questions so one uh, well, other thing besides my dad like, giving me these details is that and, and he's like he don't have a good memory at all Like he's not one of them guys who would uh, to, to remember that from my story back then so that's one thing another is like it's a lot of odd details it's like I don't that completely take at the moment taken me by surprise and I'm thinking and, and so I look back and I think if I, I feel like if I was imagining this this is not what I would imagine like Mm-hmm. What I see in my head when I say the pirate ship, it's, I mean, it's not like anything. It's not, I mean, I guess I say pirate ship because of the cargo things. It's almost like, like netting, you know, you see in, on a classical pirate ship, like, you know, the cargo nets. Um, that's kind of what I think. Um But they're also like, you know, uh, I guess big, um, almost like rubber looking tubes hanging down. Uh, they weren't nets so there's a lot of details kind of like that that it's like i don't oh, i wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been my brain's first choice i don't think to, to pop in there because it 's unlike anything i've ever you know i don 't think I've ever seen anything like that that would make me think that um and also like that doesn't that doesn 't feel like a dream at all like i I clearly remember waking up, but I guess the only reason i I, I remember waking up outside I guess the only reason that I thought that I ever put it as a dream in the first place was this it just sounded. I, I didn't have a definition for it. So I think I just, you know, filed it away there, but no, I mean, I totally am aware of, you know, sleep paralysis and the things that, that happen there. Um, I think that's a real scientific thing. And um, I've had a lot of things happen to me that I can't say, Hey, that's not what that is. Um, uh, like the other night I, I had a, you know, like, like uh, NK was saying, you know, things, things haven't happened for a while. Um, and then just literally two nights ago, I have this dream where I, I in my dreams, I'm just count, counting down. It goes three, two, one. And I wake up with like a jolt and I thought I heard like a loud noise and I'm thinking, okay, that was, is that my brain? Like, was that me dreaming that or did that really happen? So I get up and I walk out here and the DVD stack that I have, like the case DVDs is like, that's been there for months is like thrown across the floor. Um, I mean, it's, and it's like that. I can't, you know, I, I can't explain that. It's weird. And then I go back to bed and basically have kind of a classic sleep paralysis. I mean, I guess we call it that. Like I, I wait, it's not like waking up. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm awake. I mean, I feel pretty much clear headed, but I'm frozen in my bed. You know, I see something on the wall like a black shadow and at first I'm thinking, okay, it's just a shadow, but why can't I move? And then this big mass starts, you know, moving down the wall up to the foot of my bed and like underneath the like stand it stands up like at the foot of my bed underneath this like my uh, quilt, and I can look at the quilt like I can feel it um something card starts coming up across my chest and I, I grab onto it and I mean this is I can't explain this but this is like the most terrifying like I've ever been in my life I mean um it's mm-hmm. like one of those times like it's maybe not the top but I mean it's one of the tops. It's just so totally scary, and uh like something's coming across me, and i just I push my wheel because this used to happen like I'd wake up a lot like this, you know um in the middle of the night um you know i mean it, it for a while it happened every night for a long time um but this time like i just I push my wheel so hard to move because I just i got to and I grab onto something, and all of a sudden my head becomes like a lot more clear, like i you know like I'm fully awake and I've, like, I, I was thinking, like, okay, you're just going to grab something that's not going to be there because, you know, this isn't real. And then I grab something and I'm blown away because I'm like, I feel something under my hand. And as soon as I grab it, it's like grabbing onto, I can't explain it, but it's like grabbing onto a nerve. I mean, I, it's, I feel this, like, super vibrating in my hand and this noise. It's like a screaming, like, you know, uh, the movie E.T. when, Elliot BTT, that kind of, you know. Eh, noise. It's like that, but really <laughs> I don't know different, I guess. And um just I, I remember like thinking like I feel like I have a hole of something I I'm, I'm not supposed to. And again I get this smell and which you know I've talked to NK about this before, I, you know, in my dreams sometimes I I have this smell and it's just repulsive. It's not necessarily like a bad smell, but to me it's like it, it's it's like a dead Evil. I can't. I can't describe. It's just a horrible, like, gagging smell, and I get that smell like it's just like like something really bad. And all of a sudden, I mean, as it's pulling away, I'm pulling my sheet, my cover down to try to like see what this thing is. And as I like, as I pull it over the top, like I finally get it. I feel like I feel like a stunning, like a like electric shock or something. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm like just up in my bed with a handful of covers and up in there. So I mean. That's one of those things, mm-hmm. like, I wish I knew more. And that's, I mean, that's the whole reason I'm doing all this. I mean, I want to maybe call somebody else, but also, I, like, I want to know what this is, even though it's, you know, super scary. Like, it's, I mean, it, like, the next day I feel drained because I haven't had any rest, but right. at the same time, like, I, I desire to know what is going on.
3: Okay.
1: So, man, Marie, that was, um...
3: That was intense. It was intense. It was
1: intense. Yeah.
3: Give it up to them for coming on and talking about it. We really appreciate that. And that that's I think that that takes a lot of guts.
1: Don't do hypnosis, people. <laughs> don't
3: do Don't, don't do, do hypnosis. My big takeaway, live in a city. Live in a city. I'll tell you why. <laughs> in downtown New York, you know what's not going to come get you? A UFO. It's just not going to happen. I'm joking. It probably has. We'll uh. be back
1: next week with another episode with nk and kyle kind of finishing up his story um thank you so much for listening listeners we know that this isn't kind of the average type of episode we do all we ask keep an open mind um this is a chance for you to hear from the people we talk about with their own from from their own mouth right their own experiences and things and it's it's i think super fascinating so we'll be back next week Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist Podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at MadScientistpod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm -hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. We love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our... Web design is done by Desdemona Howard. Woo-hoo. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a
3: damn it chippy production. Don't you know